crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and so glad to have you here along for the ride. Uh, today is jam-packed and uh, just absolute adventure in radio, as I was very honored to be joined by two great guests today. Uh, number one, he is a former, currently retired, U.S. special agent who's worked multiple positions within the federal government. And I was also then later joined by Mr. Randy Noble, uh, author and host of a fantastic podcast, and we will uh, uh, be speaking to him about a very important message that is close to him. But uh, that special agent that I told you about, I just kind of skipped right past his name. You guys have probably heard. You've probably seen him. You probably know who he is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Eric Karen uh, joined me today. But before we get to that conversation, and we'll be... Uh, We'll be uh, having our conversation with Eric first. We've got a couple of uh, news items that kind of play right into the generalized topic that we were discussing. 
First and foremost, if you've been hiding under a rock, maybe you haven't heard, uh, Donald John Trump, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, well, he's been subpoenaed to appear before the House committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot, or as they like to call it, insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. They literally voted unanimously to subpoena the former president. The lawmakers issued the subpoena to question Trump about his alleged role in the events that led up to some of the violence that unfolded that afternoon. Uh, quoting here from every Republican's favorite representative from the great state of Wyoming, Miss Liz Cheney, quoting now, The central cause of January 6th was one man, Donald Trump, who many others followed. President Trump had a premeditated plan to declare that the election was fraudulent and stolen before Election Day. And, of course, Committee Chairman Bernie Thompson said that the panel had an obligation to hear from the former president, at something, strangely enough, that they don't really seem to want to do. They don't want to hear from him. They've been trying to silence him every chance they've had. In fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, they are probably making a mistake in having them come there, because one of two things are going to happen. This is a 50-50 kind of deal, right? Either one, he's going to show up, he's going to put on his regular uh, great show that he normally does, he's going to win over the crowd and make them all look like the buffoons they are, and uh, that will be the end of it. Or possibly he could, uh, number two, uh, get a little carried away, uh, say some things he probably shouldn't, turn off a lot of voters, and end up hurting himself in the eyes of those people that already don't like him. Now, there's a good number of people that this isn't going to move the needle one way or the other, and you know, just because he's been subpoenaed doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to go, but it'll be interesting to see if he does. I would suspect he probably will. I think he wants to talk about this, and hopefully he will work the regular Trump magic that helps him to win over the crowds and had people watching uh, The Apprentice for years. Anyway, uh, back to what uh, good old Bernie had to say. Uh, not that Bernie, Bernie Thompson. Uh, he continued saying, quote, This is a question about accountability to the American people, which is also interesting because... How many currently elected office holders with a D at the end of their name are willing to be accountable to the American people? I just asking for a friend, uh, a few million of them. Anyway, uh, back to his quote. He must be accountable. He is required to answer for his actions. Ooh, big man. I like it. Of course, Donald Trump responded on social media to being subpoenaed by the committee by questioning the timing of the vote. And, oh yeah, by the way, in case you weren't aware, uh, Trump is back on Twitter, but he's still focusing on Truth Social. I just thought it was kind of cool. Uh, Elon Musk invited him back. He uh, has been over there a bit. I know I was uh, literally in charge. I saw a post from Donald Trump there. I'm like, ah, what, what? No, 
the, the real, no, that's the right account. It's him. He's back. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I just think it's kind of cool. Elon Musk trying to be true to his word and uh, turning Twitter back into the wild west of free speech. That, that actually is a good thing. I hope that continues. Anyway, back to this point. He was on social media, and if they just say social media, that means all the platforms he could get to. But he said, and I quote, a good point, by the way, why didn't the unselect committee ask me to testify months ago? Why did they wait until the very end, the final moments of their last meeting? Because the committee is a total bust that has only served to further divide our country, which, by the way, is doing very badly. A laughingstock all over the world. So, you know, he got his jabs in. Politico noted that there was... Uh, a lot of different factors involved that could prevent the committee from being able to compel Trump's cooperation with the subpoena. That's their effort to anticipate what I already said. There's a possibility that he may actually listen to his advisors and not do it. And there is a certain political force, if you will, that kind of makes sense there. Uh, if you're the person with the power, and you ignore them, and they can't actually compel you to do anything, it kind of shows you, even to that next level, what a joke they are. Only, this would show what a joke they are to the people that still think they're legitimate, that still think there's some power here. Of course, they, rather than come to that realization, they'll just whine about it. They'll cry, oh, see, once again, he thinks he's above the law. Uh, Congress is not the law. They just pass laws, Okay. Not the same thing, guys. And it's a good thing, too, given the current makeup of uh, Congress. But anyway, uh, the report in Politico also said that one factor cutting against the committee's push to get Trump to cooperate was the fact that there are legal issues regarding separation of powers. Another issue was that even if the committee is legally able to force Trump to cooperate, by the time the litigation is over, the committee would be over with and a new Congress would have already started. Uh, there, of course, is very little, if any, precedent for anything even remotely looking like this. Making a move like this against a former president uh, certainly has not happened in the past. Uh, it could just be all kinds of crazy uh, a can of worms that the Democrats probably... Oh, endless Cheney. I guess technically she's still claiming she's not one. Uh, I don't think they want to open that can of beans. It's a bad look for them, and it's a bad idea. Guys, don't do it. Oh, no, too late. They've already done it. So now the question is, will Trump show up? Will he give them the legitimacy by being there to plead his case? Will he take that opportunity to take cheap shots at every one of them and show how useless and pathetic they really are? Or, or will he do the smart thing and not even risk tripping up and turning things off and saying something in his usual Trumpian, imprecise but very passionate style that could be misinterpreted and then later used against him? Because we've seen that happen a lot too, haven't we? My, my suggestion, uh, Mr. President, uh, don't do it. Just don't make them go after you through the courts. Make them drag it out. Uh, at this point, 
it's clearly about one more excuse to try to make this about you for the midterms instead of the terrible, terrible things that they've been doing. The economy, the border, uh, the situation in Ukraine, uh, situation with the fentanyl drugs still coming across, situation with China looking at Taiwan, all these things that they've been really bad at and bad about. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about how inflation's continuing to go up and how the job market's starting to cool down. And if they get a chance to get you in the spotlight, that's just going to give them some cover. Granted, they're still going to try to use you as cover, too. The story will become, Trump refuses to answer to the American people. They'll try their best. But actually going would probably help them more. Now, for something else that's strangely timed for right about now. The Biden administration has officially announced that uh, through the Treasury Department, they're going to be investigating uh, not the orange man who's bad, but the governor of Florida, the man that is now officially in the eyes of most Democrats worse than the orange man who is bad, worse than the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, worse than the climate arsonist. This man is the guy who's willing to pay for uh, for trips to Martha's Vineyard. In fact, that's technically what they're investigating. It seems that Biden Treasury Department wants to see if the funds that were used to transport these illegal aliens, a.k.a. illegal migrants to Martha's Vineyard, might have been misused. Uh, might have been federal dollars that could not have been, because technically they could try to even turn it into a crime if it was federal dollars that were used to do this, uh, depending on how it was allocated, blah, blah, blah. At any rate, as you will recall, not that long ago, Ron DeSantis at 50, yes, uh, five zero, a meager half of a hundred. You know, uh, small pittance compared to what every actual physical border town has to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, not even close. Uh, we're talking about thousands crossing that border. He sent 50 to Martha's Vineyard. He did that late last month. In a move that exposed the hypocrisy. You know, I don't even know if we can call it hypocrisy anymore. I think we should just call it the inborn racism that they accuse the other side of having because they can't get out of their own way. That it exposed it on the immigration question. Because again, so welcoming. They changed our lives less than two days, less than 48 hours. Uh, National Guard's here to get them. Uh, bye, guys. We're going to miss you. I wish you had the same attitude to help get the illegal migrants coming across the border out of the actual border towns. These are the folks that are being overrun. Oh, but you know, at Martha's Vineyard, uh, we don't concern ourselves with such things. You had lawmakers like Ed Markey, uh, Ayanna Presley, who subsequently asked the Treasury Department's Deputy Inspector General, Richard Delmer, to examine DeSantis' use of coronavirus state and local fiscal recovery funds uh, in the event that he used any of that to pay for the immigrants' relocation. Uh, quoting here, states should not be permitted to use COVID-19 relief funds for any uh, interest whatsoever related to the, uh, well, anything that wasn't directly related to the pandemic, particularly for 
naked political conduct that imposes severe and unjust harms on disadvantaged groups of individuals. Uh, excuse me, hold up. I would agree with that. That would be ridiculous. But if you're making this accusation at Ron DeSantis, what was the severe and unjust harm that occurred to the disadvantaged groups? Because I can see where the residents of Martha's Vineyard might feel like, oh no, this is unjust, it's not fair, I'm suffering great distress as a result. Lovey, bring me my medication. But as far as the disadvantaged groups of individuals, mm, I think they got a pretty nice trip to a rather nice place to visit, some place that someday... I would like to visit, uh, you know, just passing through, wouldn't want to stay very long because the full, uh, well, the part-time residents, they're a little sketchy, you know, folks like that Barack Obama character and, and a, a few other folks that you would know by name, but I'm not going to waste your time going down the list. Some of those part-time residents on the island, some of them are pretty scary, really. In fact, I think I'd probably rather hang out with the illegal migrants, to be honest, but at, at any rate, so they sent this letter. Uh, this, of course, was Marquis uh, released uh, the message that he received from Delworth, uh, which said that his agency had, quote, already sought information from Florida regarding their use of emergency funds. So they're trying to act like they're trying to frame this like it's already a done deal. That already clearly that's what he did. Uh, quoting again, we plan to get this work underway as quickly as possible consistent with meeting our other oversight mandates and priorities, both in pandemic recovery programs as well as the other treasury programs and operations for which we have responsibility. This, of course, all from Deputy Director Delbert. He also continued saying, we are also monitoring legislative and judicial challenges to the use of the fund's for this purpose, such developments may affect the scope and timing of our review. Both chambers of the Florida legislature, however, had voted to appropriate $12 million for facilitating the transport of illegal migrants from the state. So at the state level, they just allocated the money. And last time I checked, any dollars that aren't specifically earmarked can be redirected for anything that the state wants to do. I mean, that's been part of the big bugaboo uh, that we have talked about previously. Uh, lots of people have talked about previously, if you follow politics, particularly if you have a conservative slant, about how abuse and corruption is rampant in uh, governments to begin with. It's a direct result of having a lot of dollars come your way and then a lot of discretion as to what to do with it. Uh, you've got to have some very specific earmarks, too. So, at any rate, beyond asking the Treasury Department to rebuke, or rebuke, rebuke, enunciation being important, <laughs> rebuke DeSantis over the stunt, Market requested that the Transportation Secretary, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, ask that good old Pete examine whether the migrants were misled about their journey in violation of federal law. At least that was also part of the press release. And here's the thing. The Democrats keep going to this, too. They keep trying to say, well, you're lying to these people. They think uh, that all the governors that have been shipping these folks 
to the sanctuary cities have lied to these, despite the fact that multiple members of these groups have been on camera stating specifically that, yeah, this is where they wanted to go. They were asked if they wanted to go there, and they said yes. There's been no misleading of these people. None of these people were shocked or surprised that, oh, oh no, we're we're in Martha's Vineyard. I thought I was going to, to the mushroom farm in uh, Frederick. No, nobody was shocked or surprised or amazed. No one was lied to. Uh, of course, the current resident at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, known here affectionately, of course, as Beijing, barely there, Biden. Uh, you may know him as Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Anyway, that guy, he's witnessed a surge in illegal immigration throughout his tenure. Pretty much opened the gates he did, and still denies it. We said, don't come here, don't come here. But, okay, while they're not listening, go ahead and come here. According to data released by Customs and Border Protection, the nation witnessed 66 migrants on the terror watch list traversed the southern border, while a total of 30 had done the same in the preceding five years. Five years, 30 people on the terror watch list managed to cross the southern border. Of course, this is still limited to the ones we caught, the ones we know, that we had engagements with. They know for a fact that 66, in the short time that Joe Biden has been president, and yeah, it feels like it's been a heck of a lot longer than what it actually is. I, I will grant you that. I mean, we're just, just a few months in, really. Total of 30 had done that in five years. Border agents had more than 2.2 million encounters with migrants during the 2022 fiscal year. It's insane. Complaint filed by some of the migrants uh, with the help of advocacy group Lawyers for Civil Rights alleged that they were victims of a fraudulent and discriminatory scheme to relocate them. It seemed odd, though, the timing of this lawsuit and it being pulled together by Lawyers for Civil Rights, clearly a leftist organization, uh, no questions, they don't even deny it, and they went looking for these people, and they convinced them, hey, you know, if you'll sign on with this, we, okay, I'm just, just, you know, uh, maybe engaging in speculation that that's what occurred. For legal purposes, I have to say that, but I'm pretty sure we all know what happened, right? Now, by rights, if I'm, if I'm going to not be hypocritical about when I try to call out journalists, I should say that that is speculation, because truthfully, it is. I'm speculating. But it's speculation based on the circumstantial evidence that's right in front of us, clear and simple, especially given all of the illegal migrants that have come public immediately after saying, oh, yes, uh, this is very much, loved it, loved it, uh, so glad to be here. All right, anyway, brings us back to the comment about why now is the time 
to subpoena the climate arsonist? Why is now the time to subpoena before the January 6th committee, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the orange man who's bad? You know, Donald John Trump, that guy. Uh, some of you still call him President Trump, and with good reason. It's timing. It's timing, it's timing, it's timing. These literally represent the two biggest threats, Joe Biden or whoever the next Democratic nominee uh, happens to be. They're the biggest obstacle to them maintaining control of the White House, no matter who ends up being there. They want to make Ron DeSantis look as bad as possible. They think this could be a winning issue. It's not. Just like they still think abortion is a winning issue. And it wouldn't be if the GOP was a little bit better with their messaging. That's really all this comes down to. Messaging, messaging, messaging. But here's the other side of this. They are so desperate to hang on to power that we have seen, we have witnessed these people commit acts that are on the very cusp of criminality, if not truly criminal actions. We've seen them do this over and over again. And in fact, I'm not the only one by a long shot, but I too have started referring to the Bidens in general as the Biden crime family. That seems like a pretty good descriptor of who they are, what they're doing, and what they're up to. It's dangerous that they've been allowed to do this. That's where we are. And that's not all that dissimilar from the conversation that I had with my first guest of the day, Eric Karen. And we will be talking with the retired special agent right after this break. You guys do not go anywhere. I will be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. Congratulations to former House Representative Tulsi Gabbard on her decision to leave the Democrat Party. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Ms. Gabbard explained that she could no longer remain in today's Democrat Party that is now under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoke anti-white racism actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms and liberties are hostile to the people of faith, demonizing the police and protecting criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans. They believe in open borders, weaponize the national security state to go after political opponents, and above all, dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Tulsi Gabbard is one of many who have had enough of the demonic Democrat party of skyrocketing inflation, unaffordable petrol, the literal destruction of our great cities while balkanizing a republic. Also, Ms. Gabbard hopefully will reconsider her support for Bernie Sanders' socialist policies and trimester abortions. 
I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government. And with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Don't forget, if you're looking for something to help keep you clean that still honors our veterans, honors our first responders, and you know might just so happen to be a, the most America first company in the United States. Let me recommend Hero Soap. Yes, that's right, Hero Soap. They have no harsh chemicals. They have nothing but essential oils, and everything that they use is sourced either from sources within the United States or by companies that operate in the United States and source them elsewhere. They give a portion of their proceeds to our first responders, and they continue to make contributions to veterans as well. Plus, Every time you sign up for a subscription, they also send free soap to our men and women in uniform that are serving out there in active theaters. So guess what? Hero Soap out there supporting our heroes. You make sure that you do not walk away. Hero Soap is the place to get yourself clean and stay that way. I tell you what, they've won me over. I'm still loving uh, my favorite pack, and you can order a multi-pack if you ever get into that level of question. Just follow the link in today's show description. You cannot, will not go wrong with that. One more time, that's Hero Soap. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men... Just want to watch the world burn. My name's Joe Biden. Not a joke. Not a joke. And that wasn't hyperbole. 
I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke, for real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. But all kidding aside, for real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm a joker. I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight joker. I sure don't want to hurt no one. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through the uh, break. And it is my distinct honor and pleasure to welcome a first-time guest to the show this evening. Uh, He is a retired U.S. special agent who spent time with uh, DHS, with uh, ICE, with Homeland Security uh, Investigations, as well as time as an Interpol special agent. He's also been a U.S. diplomat. He's been a bank executive. He is a security consultant and the best-selling author of the book, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. Uh, He is a frequent guest, often featured on One American News, Newsmax, Fox News, and many more. In fact, I'm just barely scratching the surface here because, quite honestly, if I went down the full resume, if I went down all of the accolades this man has earned over time as he served this country— it would take up more time than we have. So let's go ahead and just welcome former U.S. Special Agent Eric Karen. Uh, Eric, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today, and how are you? Hey, Tim. What an honor to be on with you, sir. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm over here on uh, Cape Cod, and uh, uh, it's a little rainy today, but uh, we're about 65 degrees. So uh, all is good, and I woke up, so that's even better. All right. Uh, certainly uh, have to appreciate a man who appreciates uh, how things are going instead of some of these whiny leftists out here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the conversation, Tim, and, and, and sharing and talking about, uh, you know, any, any all, all topics are uh, on the table. So let, let's go. And we have a lot to discuss. All right. Let's jump in with the, the most recent, uh, that, of course, being the uh, the news that's been uh, allowed out, if you will, it feels more like a leak to me, uh, that uh, Hunter yeah. Biden uh, could possibly be charged. There's enough evidence that uh, good Mr. Biden uh, may very well be guilty of some criminal offenses, which, of course, this has led to a lot of people to begin speculating, and uh, yourself included, that this is really yeah. all about sending a sweetheart deal for a hunter to take just to protect the rest of the crime family, uh, especially the big guy, Joe Biden. Yeah. Your thoughts on yeah, that? There you go. Yeah. You know, um, let me first by, uh, start off by saying, you know, Malcolm X said this uh, back in the day. It's a, it's a great quote. The media is the most powerful entity in the world. They have the ability to make the innocent man appear to be guilty and the guilty man appear to be Innocent. That's power because they control the minds of the masses. And Malcolm X said that. And, you know, Hunter Biden is a distraction to really the main target. And the main target is the president of the United States. He's an unindicted co-conspirator in this Biden crime family. He is the CEO. He's the top dog. He's the he's the head. And, um, you know, that's where we need to focus. Hunter Biden is a distraction. 
And in that, you know, he, he will take a plea. I said this months ago, he will take a minor plea for something in the hopes that it all goes away. Um, Joe Biden, vice president of the United States, was essentially what? He's an employee using his office, his position, um, to enrich himself for the benefit of himself and others. And there's all kind of regulations, uh, Tim, relating to uh, the the misuse of, of a position and the gov- a government position, misuse of of a title of your title and property. Um, and so there's all kind of regulations relating to that activity. And of course, this criminal law and the foreign corrupt practices act really highlights the fact that he, Joe Biden, again, was using his office to enrich himself. And he was getting payments uh, from foreign governments um, to again to enrich himself, um, the evidence is very very clear here. I'm predicting he will be impeached and maybe even removed from office. The evidence is is so staggering to me. I mean, we have an unindicted co-conspirator sitting in the Oval Office, and that's that's sad. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody that is looking at this situation uh, with. Uh, any sense whatsoever of honest uh, endeavors here. Uh, I get so infuriated talking about it. Sometimes I lose track of which words I'm supposed to be using. It's like, if you're looking at this with clear eyed and you're being honest about it, there is no question that Joe Biden has been at the very least a questionable character for some time, uh, even when he was just in the Senate. Uh, But Everything that has transpired since he stepped into office has been to the detriment of this country. And what I like about getting to talk to you about this is literally almost every area where you have gained expertise over the course of your career uh, really comes into play with all of the foreign policy failures. Everything from Biden's disastrous pullout of out of Afghanistan that made the world a much more dangerous place the very second it happened to yes. China and Russia yes. and the way he's bungled yes. that. But I don't think there's anything there that's near as scary as an American citizen as seeing the FBI and the Justice Department being used as personal thugs to enforce the political will of this administration. We've been seeing it with them going after teachers. Now we've seen it with them going after pro-life advocates. Uh, And there's almost a complete ignoring of the oath that as a law enforcement officer, the FBI agents take uh, in, in order to do these things. And now it's becoming clear that the CIA has also been involved. You spoke to that too. Uh, In fact, You've uh, got a, a nice little uh, quote uh, saying that they're all going to need a colonoscopy. I think that's yeah. very accurate. Do you have faith that that's going to happen? And do you really think that Congress is going to step up and uh, take control of the oversight that they should have been doing all along? Well, it's, that's that's the million dollar question. You know, yeah. So, yeah, colonoscopy, let's just say for argument's sake, colonoscopy's <laughs> done. Uh, on the FBI, the Department of Injustice as well. Um, and you can add the Department of Homeland Insecurity as well, because we see what's happening at our borders. 
and the people uh, dying over it because of it. Um, you know, so a colonoscopy happens, but guess what? The cancer has spread so, so far, so fast to all the vital organs. This patient can't be saved. I'm calling for the, for, for the FBI to be abolished. Um, and, and, and other agencies can, can step up and, and quite frankly, do the job. I mean, the agency FBI has been only around since 1908. CIA has been around since 1947. Um, Congress has to now. And I think after we take we, the Republican Party, if you will, takes House in the Senate, I'm hopeful that that we'll see um, the, the FBI and the CIA and the Department of Injustice uh, really uh, closely examined, and I'm hoping that uh, that that there's a major reorganization within federal law enforcement, within the Department of Justice, it, because the American people, to regain its trust, has to see this. Has, this has to happen. I mean, this has to happen if the American people will gain its trust back in federal law enforcement in in the federal you know, Department of uh, Injustice, if you will. You've you've touched on the teachers. You've touched on the weaponization of the FBI. I, you can't make this up. I, I, when I sit down and I read the the papers and the affidavits, and I learn about the lies and affidavits, and I see how pro-lifers are being arrested for an offense that that the, even the local police did not want to prosecute. I'm shaking my head. I'm like, no, no, this is not happening in America, is it? And it's sadly it is. And it's, you know, you know, the 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 prosecutor, the U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania, who's leading that uh, charge against the pro-lifer in Pennsylvania that was recently arrested is the first woman of color and recognizes as an LGBTQ plus whatever. Um, And, you know, She's getting orders from Maine DOJ um, to go after pro-lifers. I mean, it's sad, but it's true. And, you know, Tim, the elephant in the room relating to the Biden crime family is really the CIA. The CIA is, is all over the Biden crime family. And what do I mean by that? When the president and vice president take these international trips, there, these these trips are well planned in advance. All the alphabetical agencies are involved in the planning of that those trips, including the CIA. Um, when when the vice president goes to China, he brings Hunter, and Hunter is meeting with foreign officials, including uh, spies from China. CIA is all over that, and in Tony Bobolinsky recently said it in an interview. He said, the day after I came out of the closet, if you will, a year, what, two years ago, before the election, I went, I went to the FBI and I sat with the FBI and there were, two, there were six to eight agents sitting with me. And here's the, here's the, I think, an important point that most people miss. And station two. That means station is whom? Station is CIA. Station is CIA. That's the code name for CIA. So Tony Bobolinsky is, 
uh, he, he didn't come out and say it. And I don't have a document right here in front of me, Tim, that says Hunter Biden or Tony Bobulinski or anybody else in the Biden crime family was a source for the CIA or was acting on behalf of the CIA. But I can tell you when you peel back the onion and you look at all the evidence, as I have, some of it, and you listen to Tony Bobulinski, there's no doubt in my mind the CIA was all over this. And my question is, what do they know and when do they know it? And why, if, they're fam- if they have knowledge of a crime, to- uh, Tim, they're required under law and the regulations to inform the Department of Justice. And I'm sure that probably didn't happen. Well, at this point, though, Eric, I have to halfway wonder if maybe it did happen. And just like with a lot of the other information that we've seen uh, being uh, transmitted amongst members of this current administration and the previous administrations, uh, the deep state actions, which if it didn't just get shuffled away, lost it, if if we don't have people that have changed their point of view of serving the American people and fulfilling the obligations of the jobs that they're doing to simply becoming political actors in the hopes that uh, they'll be rewarded later, uh, literally the opposite of what they're supposed to do. Because we, we've seen examples just uh, just the, this last couple of days, we've seen examples of the effort to push narrative ahead of doing the job on the border involving these border agents that were accused of whipping the Haitian migrants. Now we know that Mayorkas knew in advance before he even went out and started spilling this, and they still insisted on investigating and then trying to punish these guys even after they came back saying there was nothing that they did wrong. Uh, So if, if we can see those examples... Uh, if we could get into a freedom of information situation, which would never work here because everything's going to be classified. We know how they dodge and hide. Uh, Is there any chance in your mind that maybe they did, but they're just complicit? Well, the CIA has this, um, you know, attitude. Unfortunately, the culture is such um, they're they they believe they're above the law. That's the bottom line. They're untouchable. And I investigated, believe it or not, Tim, I investigated the CIA for obstruction of justice under Bill Clinton. I spent months in the basement of CIA headquarters. And and in that case, um, we were investigating uh, defense contractors tied to the White House, tied to Bill Clinton, Hughes and Morale, and they provided – Technology, military technology to China in violation, we alleged in violation of U.S. law to help their missile program. Well, CIA was supposed to be helping us. But guess what? They went behind our backs and they gave the targets of the investigation a roadmap to our case, our investigation. Now, we now DOJ at the time. Um, you know, I, they were told all this, and we had a grand jury, actually. We put the gr- general counsel of the CIA in a grand jury in Washington, D.C. I was there. They all pretty much lied, except one official. I got the truth out of this one person. It's in my book, switched on the heart and mind of a special agent. And it, I, I was, you know, DOJ at the end of the day didn't prosecute a single person for obstruction justice in that case 
Um, and because these Hughes and Morrell, Michael Armstrong from Hughes and Bernie Schwartz, guess what? Bernie Schwartz was the largest donor to the DNC at the time. And so the DOJ uh, basically, for the most part, for the most part, listens to the CIA. I've ran into them multiple times. And in this case, with, with the Biden crime family, I'm confident that when this comes to light, um, people will be, I think, shocked to hear and see the evidence that the, our own government had knowledge of this criminal activity, but the CIA believes the ends justify the means. Right. Yeah, I've definitely heard more than one time that uh, our freedoms depend on uh, men who are willing to do unspeakable things so the rest of us can sleep easy at night. And mm -hmm. I think there have probably been times in our history where that may very well be true, but it does tend to lead to a complex where people do believe that they are above the principles that they're supposed to be defending. Uh, Eric, I, it feels like we were just getting started, but we're already running out of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I well, there's, there's much to talk about, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you and your listeners. So thank you for having me, sir. All right. I, we're definitely going to have to get together again and touch on some of these other topics. But uh, as uh, as we run out of time, please go ahead and share with everybody uh, any websites where they can uh, still find the book. I'm assuming that uh, you would love for anybody who hadn't gotten a copy yet to, to get one sure. and any social media handles, anything you want to share at all so folks could get in touch with you in any fashion. Uh, do that right now, sir. Thank you, Tim. And that's Switched On Life, switchedonlife.com. And I enjoy uh, speaking to people about how to live a switched on life. And we know that life is difficult and hard and challenging. And what I like to say, Tim, is that when you're switched on, even in darkness, you still can see a path to greatness. But if you're not switched on, and you're not strengthening, strengthening the, the mind, body, and soul daily, then you're off balance. So I want people to get switched on and live their best, best life. All right. Certainly a, a positive message to end on. And uh, we don't get enough of that in uh, our news cycle these days. Uh, thank you, Eric. And again, definitely going to have to get back together. Keep up the good work, sir. And Godspeed to you. God bless. Stay switched on. Will do. All right. Great message from uh, Eric uh, Karen. Uh, stay switched on out there, guys. Uh, be sure to check out his website and all of his other stuff if you haven't already. And uh, we'll be back again right after this brief break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better. Make America great If that's a wave of the future All I've got to say Stick your progress Where the sun don't shine Keep your big mess Away from me and mine If you leave us alone Well, we'd all be just fine Yes, indeed, we will be just fine uh, regardless, it just may require us making the point a little clearer. Hey, Joe, 
Leave us alone. The federal government is supposed to be small and a very tiny aspect of our day-to-day -day lives. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Eric Karen, And uh, I do hope that you will take the time to visit his website and, uh, you know, check out everything, including his podcast, Switched On Life, uh, all this other great stuff he's got going on. Uh, he really is a phenomenal guy when you look at everything he's done over the years. And the one question that I meant to ask and kind of got sidetracked and did not get to was uh, I had hoped to ask him as a former special agent, somebody who's worked in the federal level and in international issues as well in actual law enforcement, someone who's actually had the nerve to challenge and to uh, investigate the CIA for obstruction of justice, uh, how exactly it made him feel watching what the uh, current FBI agents are doing in their efforts to harass American citizens for the terrible, terrible crime of showing up at a PTA meeting, for the terrible crime of standing up on behalf of the pre-born baby humans uh, who committed acts that were, at the very worst, misdemeanors at their local level and somehow have been elevated to federal crimes when, by definition, the crimes they're being accused of didn't actually happen. I have a friend who works for the FBI, and I certainly will not divulge their name, and I'm not going to divulge their current posting, but they had worked just outside of the Beltway. And they ended up specifically asking for a transfer just about as far away from the Beltway as you can get because it was highly politicized even there. Spillover was going on. They said that there was just no salvaging what's going on within the organization at the very top. It's not widespread once you leave the Beltway area. But in and around there, it's politics, not law enforcement. And, of course, that leads to the easy enough question to ask, well, why don't you just walk away? Why don't you find another way to earn a living? And at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that if you leave too quickly under certain circumstances, then you end up on a list. A list like I'm already on. A list that I have official confirmation that my name, me, I'm on a watch list for, you guessed it, domestic terrorism. Uh, no real indication that I've done anything, but I seem to be a threat to potentially incite violence. There are a lot of other names that you would certainly recognize that have uh, files of their own. Uh, bigger fish to fry, so I'm pretty far down on the, uh, the list of importance and general threat level. Some other people that I have had as guests on the show, the names that, if you're a regular listener here, you would recognize uh, some folks that are a little bit further down the line as well, uh, are on their, uh, on the, they have their own files, they have a list. It's a scary time to be an American citizen, because those of us who still believe in the Constitution, that still believe in individual liberty... We are the ones that are being watched, the ones that are being surveilled and suppressed. What social media can't do, 
the mainstream legacy media will attempt. I'm in this strange situation where my audience is big enough to get their attention, but still not quite big enough to be a major concern yet. They've got some other people they need to squash first. So chances are I'll get to continue to bring the truth to you about what's happening a little bit longer than some other folks. But just asking a person who has worked in this field, has been involved in federal law enforcement, how does this make you feel? I would have loved to have gotten his response, but I think it's pretty clear. I think we can tell based on the things he said in this interview and things that he has said on multiple other appearances on multiple other networks, and he is everywhere. He really is. I think it's pretty obvious that uh, it makes him mad. I mean, it makes him sad because to see law enforcement at the federal level twisted to become thugs for one administration to go after political enemies, that'll make you mad, but it also makes you sad. Now, I can't speak for him, but I know that's how it makes me feel, and I'm not a fool. All right, let's reset the hour, ladies and gentlemen. And when I come back, we will start anew with fresh topics. And don't forget, in the second hour, I speak with Randy L. Noble. So don't go anywhere. And uh, by the way, Joe, this is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. A blue state clan taught to praise the little man, told that union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun, warned about the greed within the mass. They met beneath the moonlit sky, a college party drunk and high, and when they had degrees, they said their vows. He couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west Homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less
They can say when. They can say how. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Not a joke. Not a joke. And that wasn't hyperbole. I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke. For real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. But all kidding aside, for real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I really mean it. I mean this. I'm not being solicitous. Not a joke. Thank you so very much for staying with me as we are now headlong into hour number two of tonight's live broadcast. Uh, it is indeed October the 13th. Uh, we are quickly getting to the halfway point of the spookiest month of the year. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to tell since uh, Biden's been elected. Every month seems like the spookiest month of the year. It just keeps getting spookier. Uh, and... Uh, 
just now we get to have the distraction of some horror movies to help cast uh, this aside. All right. Of course, uh, we still are doing the reset of the hours. Uh, I think it just makes it easier for uh, AKA the crazy Cajun uh, friend Doug, who does the program, uh, make sure that everything uh, works properly as the rebroadcast of the show takes place over at the last frequency. Uh, which also means that we are still being aired on WCET, so we are propagating the airwaves in Columbia, South Carolina, so happy to be part of that. Uh, glad that at least one terrestrial radio station is still carrying the show after literally all the other stations that we were being aired on uh, coming into this year have either went out of business, or changed formats. And, and it's pretty close to 50-50 on that. Uh, about half of them just changed formats, so now they're no longer talk uh, shows. Uh, uh, they just don't do talk radio there anymore. And then the other half have went out of business, partially because I, I've been told by at least one of the programming managers that uh, was in charge of a couple of different stations because they were part of the same network, that they eventually had just buckled to financial uh, difficulties that was a result of pressure being put on them by forces related indirectly to the current administration. Now, I don't want to sound like I've got a tinfoil hat on, but guys, it certainly sounds like something very believable to me. Besides that, don't know why uh, the guy would have lied to me about it. It doesn't seem like something that uh, doesn't seem like something that he would have done. All right, what do you say we get back into uh, the uh, actual show itself? If by chance you happen to be listening on WCET or the Last Frequency, uh, then you're not going to be privy to the show description. So when we talk about things like ah, Hero Soap, for example, or some of the websites uh, for the guests that are on then you may want to come check out tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. From there, you can hit banners, and there is a section for recent guests, but I've been kind of a bad boy. I've been a little busy, and I've not been keeping it up like I should, but I will get that updated, uh, certainly sometime before the end of the upcoming weekend. Uh, so please, uh, you can still visit if you want to check out things like Built Bar and Blue Coolers and Fire and Flavor and all these other great associates, including uh, Hero Soap and My Patriot Supply. And you can utilize those banners instead of the links in the show description that will let them know that I'm the one that sent you. And that would, that would mean a lot to me that if you use these links or if you use those banners, because it does help to support the show. All right, so with all that being said, let's get back to today's broadcast. Uh, if you did miss the first hour, come find me wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, had a great conversation with a fantastic guest. He's a former U.S. diplomat, a former special agent, and just a phenomenal guy. He's a security specialist. His name is Eric Karen. 
And you probably thinking, gee, that name sounds familiar because he's been all over the place. He's been on One American News. He's been on uh, a Real America's Voice. He's been on uh, Fox News. He's been on Newsmax. You've probably seen him over the John Solomon Reports, Just the News. Uh, he's been on Judicial Watch. He's been all over the place. Well, I have the honor of speaking a little bit later in this broadcast here in hour number two to a friend. Uh, you know, we're not like super close, but it's a friend. He's one of the people that I was first introduced to, uh, thanks largely to that very important figure in the, sh the life of this show, uh, Miss Kel Fritzy, who, you know, still, still miss you, Kel. Love you much. Hope you're smiling down on us from heaven. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Randy L. No. Randy L. Noble. Enunciation, again, being important. This is the radio, Tim. Enunciate. All right. So with that being said, I'm looking forward to, to airing that conversation that I had with him because another important topic involving the ongoing and continuing protests in Iran and what actually sparked it. And for those of you that are familiar with Randy, and for those of you that uh, remember Randy's previous visit, you know that he is very, very much active with what goes on in Iran. Now, the whole Iranian situation, it's connected to this story before we get to have that conversation. It's the story of what's going on with Saudi Arabia and Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Now, we've been talking about it for a while. We've mentioned it. We've done it. We've touched on it. And we've done full conversations about it. At the end of the day, it's still one of the most important things because essentially now we have a quid pro quo uh, attempt at strong-arming uh, going on, uh, as Joseph Biden has really proven that his intent in trying to pressure the Saudis to not decrease or to at least wait uh, for another month before the decrease in production was all about the midterm elections. The Saudis saw right through it. They They called it out. Now, there's been spin and the Democrats are denying it. But at the end of the day, it really still just continues to show one simple fact. People, lots of people, I was merely one of them. I'm not saying that, oh, listen, once again, I called it. Now, it, this wasn't something that required uh, rocket science capabilities. It's not something that required powers of uh, precognition. It was obvious for anybody that looked with even the least amount of skepticism, with the least bit of intellectual honesty. Joe Biden is weak, both physically and politically. Joe Biden is weak. There's no doubt about it. No matter how strong, how much of a tough guy he pretends to be, he's weak. Now, he doesn't want you to know that. The mainstream legacy media doesn't want you to know that. The Democratic Party kind of, sort of wants you to know, but just enough <clears throat> so that you know that you need to support whoever they decide to replace him with in the event they decide to pull that trigger. 
Now, that's not a done deal at this point. It's not a for sure thing. But they've laid the groundwork to try to have some fallback positions available just in case. They're not real happy about the prospect of Kamala Harris because, believe it or not, she's actually worse at politics than Hillary Clinton. I mean, technically, Hillary's actually pretty good at politics. She's just not very likable, so she's terrible at campaigning. Kamala Harris is terrible at just talking to people. She always treats every crowd like they were a group of third graders who should have been held back and still be in kindergarten. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's some kindergartners that were listening to her and were offended thinking she was talking down to them. However, this was actually directed at their parents. So imagine how their parents felt. So the thing here, though, is that during the campaign, and I know it feels like a lifetime ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. During the presidential campaign, Joe, barely there, Beijing Biden, he repeatedly promised us, he swore to all the American people, not just Democrats, that he was going to restore America's name in the world. He swore that he was going to repair the reputation, fix all the damage that was done by the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. I don't see where that's happening. In fact, feels like just the opposite. Looks like just the opposite. All he's managed to do is create instability in the Middle East where stability, actual stability was forming. A little thing called the Abraham Accords mean anything to anyone? If that's a name that doesn't ring a bell with you, you need to do some research, guys. Now, I know if you're a regular listener to this show, then... I know that you already know about it, but if you're a lefty that just accidentally came across the show, then by all means, look it up, because there's a really good chance that the news sources that you utilize probably have never even mentioned the Abraham Accords. I mean, heaven forbid that Donald John Trump, you know, the orange man who's bad, kicker of puppies, eater of babies, climate arsonist, that guy, that he actually had done the kind of things that normally would deserve at least a nomination for a Nobel Peace Prize. Not that that's something that he should even be considering uh, an honor anymore, because they've kind of done away with whatever honor used to be associated with it. The minute they gave Barack Obama the Nobel Peace Prize, before he even took office, what has he done? Well, you know, he's just done some things, so there you go. Really? I mean, by those standards, I should have won the Nobel Peace Prize by now, and so should you. Uh, all of you, every single one of you that's listening, we should have all won it at least once by now, if that's the only crime. You did some things, and there wasn't immediately war that took place. So, yay, Nobel Peace Prize. I went to dinner. Oh, looking, checking, no war, not caused by my dinner. Nobel Peace Prize, there you go. Anyway. A few examples. Let's, let's take a look. Ways that Donald Trump was better than Joe Biden. Uh, Vladimir Putin. Well, he would have never invaded Ukraine while Donald Trump was president. Uh, it would have just not happened. In fact, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that they would have managed to find a way to communicate and uh, to have avoided violence. But 
Vladimir Putin felt that Biden uh, was impotent. So what would stop him? Why couldn't he just move forward and and take what he wants from Ukraine? It's not like Biden would be able to to rally foreign support sufficient enough to stop it. And so far it hasn't. In fact, it doesn't even look like Biden wants to stop it. He talks a good game, but it looks like they just want to keep laundering cash into Ukraine. At least from where I'm sitting, that's certainly the way it looks. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one thinking that. China. Well, they've been eating Biden's lunch openly, openly courting Russia and Iran and snubbing the U.S. efforts to close the massive trade gap. And Saudi Arabia, you know, just mentioned Saudi Arabia going into the segment. They all but laughed at Joe Biden's face. He literally flew there to beg for oil, oil that we don't need from Saudi Arabia. We have enough oil here in the United States, and we certainly have enough natural gas here, that we have enough petrofuel that, you know, like right before, immediately preceding, in fact, Joe Biden taking office, the United States of America was energy independent and a net exporter. But, you know, we got to keep the Greens happy, right? Is that the mindset? I mean, I don't really think that's the reason. I think that's the excuse. I'm beyond the point now. I used to be, and I, I know if you're a regular listener, you're probably tired of hearing me say this by now, used to be on the camp of uh, wanting to assign incompetence before malice. And there's plenty of reason to believe that all these little soldiers working for the Biden administration are extremely incompetent, because most of them are. That is the kind of thing that you can expect when the only qualification set forward is what color is your skin? What sexual orientation are you? Do you suffer from gender dysphoria? Oh, no, I don't suffer from it. I scream it at the parties and have fun with it. Well, very good. You get to be Secretary of Defense because you think you're something other than you are. Um, you. You're darker than I am, my friend. You look a little like corn pop. You can be the secretary of, I don't know, uh, S.S. Kamala. She'll find something for you. I mean, that's that feels like the qualifications, right? Secretary of Transportation? Well, you look like a white guy to me, Pete, but you're gay and you like trains, so here you go. Does that sound insulting to you? Does that sound offensive to you? Am I offending you in saying that? Then I'm sorry. But it doesn't offend you near as much as it offends me that that really is the criteria that's being used for some of these appointments. Oh, well, you ran for president when I ran for president, and, you know, you got out of the way before I had to had to beat you, so here's a little something for being... Now, that's politics as usual. But, you know, we want to be the most historic of historic historical presidencies. Yeah, but what's making you historic, Joe? It's not greatness. It's not what should have been an easy economic bounce back from the artificial COVID shutdown. Because 
You've managed to ruin that. It's not restoring America's prominence on the foreign stage because under the last guy, you know, the guy whose name you don't want to say that I will, Donald John Trump, that guy, we were much better respected and the world was a safer place. You've managed to bail at everything, and it's because you are so weak. But I also think, as I was trying to get to a minute ago before I got sidetracked, that a lot of this is on purpose. I don't think it's Joe's plan. I think Joe honestly believes a lot of what he's saying is really for the best, but he's trusting his advisors as he's checking in and checking out mentally. He just likes telling stories about himself that are clearly untrue. Which, oh, by the way, they've got spin for that, too, in case you missed it. Uh, Donald Trump's a liar, but Joe Biden's just a creative, folksy storyteller. Yeah, that's clearly not the same thing, right? Despite most of what they called Trump's lies were, and, and granted, there's a few exceptions, but most of them were intentional hyperbole or exaggeration, to make a point. Most people hearing Trump say these things knew, just like when he was joking, people knew. Why? Because they're not idiots, like most of the mainstream legacy media and a lot of the Democrats. They're just not. And in this case, I'm not saying average American citizens that tend to vote Democrat. I'm talking about the people that are actually propagating the party, who are actually socialists, but are hiding under the guise of being Democrats. Those are the people I'm talking about. You literally had Biden hoping, plaguing, pleading, uh, finally found his way into church and praying uh, that the Saudis would ramp up production by uh, one and a half million to two million barrels a day, knowing that that would push that the gas prices down further. And he was hoping they'd do that so that we could continue to see gas prices going down despite inflation still being uh, on the up, still rising. It's slowing. How much it's rising is slowing down, but the fact that it's at record levels, highest it's been in 40 years plus, the fact that it's still going up from that point, even if it's just a little, still means we're going in the wrong direction. Oh, but it's slowing. It's still going up. So that's not going in the right direction, Joe. Hoping that this would happen. Why? Because they wanted to continue to have something positive to say. Some type of good economic news. Something that Americans would actually see and recognize as part of the reality in the country going into the midterms. That was it. It's purely for political purposes. And yet, all you would have to do if you were really dedicated to making things better for Americans is return to the energy policies that we had in place under the previous administration. Return to the point where we were energy independent. Return to the point where we were a net exporter of petro energy. Because that elevates everyone here. Oh, but Tim, what about the future of our children? We have to protect the earth. It's not doing the damage the lefties claim it is. I'm tired of having to to make defenses for it. I've had a million different guests on by now that have said the same thing. Legitimate scientists that are not bought and paid for by some leftist organization or another. And there's, their claims are backed up by even the facts that the government has to release. 
You just have to dig into them. You have to go find them. They try to hide these facts these days, but they are still available technically for the public to just consume. The fact is, man calls climate change is a bit of a farce. Climate is always changing, and how much man is involved with that, well, it's debatable to a point, but one thing is clear. It's nowhere near as bad as they claim it is. And they always, always fail to mention the fact that when you look at how humanity has adapted, how the use of carbon-based energy has went a long way towards helping us to overcome climate change. There are fewer climate-related deaths now than there were in the past when things, according to the left, weren't quite as bad as they are now. Not that they're near as bad as they claim. But anyway, this was about trying to get a positive going into the midterms. But all you have to do is reverse course. But they don't want Americans to succeed. They don't want America to succeed. They are tired of the Constitution handcuffing them. They don't like it. But Joe Biden begged with the Saudis, and then earlier this month, just in the last week or so, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, uh, that's actually what OPEC stands for, OPEC announced that it would slash production by two million barrels a day, not increase by a million and a half to two, but cut it by, first they said a million, and then Joe said some more, we're going to insult the Saudi royal family, and then they made it two million. Cut it by two million. That announcement came just a month before the U.S. midterm elections. Just a month. Of course, somebody in the White House leaked the information that Biden had actually begged the Saudis not to cut production before the elections. Then, of course, once that leak got out, the White House tried to spin that, saying, quote, we presented Saudi Arabia with analysis to show that there was no market basis to cut production targets and that they could easily wait for the next OPEC meeting to to see how things developed. This was John Kirby, National Security Council spokesman, released a statement. Said, you know, that's how we, we just we were just making the case, you know, you don't have to do it right away. Dude, we know what you're doing. Go ahead, put your spin I know that's what you're getting paid to do. I get it. But we know. Even the people that are going around pretending that the emperor has some clothes on, they know. That's part of why there's, I think, every bit the same chance that we get that big red wave we were talking about. And you guys uh, on the left are saying, well, no, it looks more like a trickle and maybe not even going to happen at all. Just because we're going, we're going radio silent, guys. I mean, the average voter is. Not, obviously not me. I'm just getting louder. But, you know, that's what I do. <sighs> you know, and Biden's been all over on this case. He's accused gas companies in the U.S. of price gouging. He's, of course, already blasted OPEC multiple times for cutting production. And <sighs> but he's so weak. He's so weak. Saudi leaders came out and ripped him a new one. Now, I'm not big on that. Whether I like it or not, 
Joe Biden is currently considered to be the president of the United States. I don't like people disrespecting that office. I don't. I've been critical of it whenever anyone holding the office has done something I feel like is disrespectful to the office. I've held uh, the same people accountable, the same as uh, Bill Clinton to George Bush, both of them, to even even Donald Trump, who I'm actually, he won me over. I was not on the Trump train to start with, gave him a chance once he won the nomination, was very pleased with how he actually governed, despite the fact he still occasionally would say some things that he probably shouldn't have, but I still call it out when I think it was wrong. There's so much. I, I'm not a fan of foreign powers disrespecting the office either. But Joe kind of had it coming in this one. Foreign Ministry blasted the White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre's claim that the October 5th action by OPEC Plus aligned their energy policy with Russia's war aims and against the American people. They were mad, and they said that these statements are not based on facts and are based on portraying the OPEC Plus decision out of its purely economic context. Saudi Arabia affirms that any attempts to distort the facts about the kingdom's position regarding the crisis in Ukraine are unfortunate and will not change the kingdom's principled position. Biden administration has repeatedly threatened consequences against Saudi Arabia. Here's where the quid pro quo moves into extortion. Biden's literally threatening the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Now, get this straight. Saudi Arabia is not our friend, but they are an ally in the region. Joe Biden. Joe Biden has isolated the Saudis royal family and their feelings about America due to his blind, misguided, ridiculous efforts to get us back into the Iran deal. A major mistake. This is what's pushed both India and Saudi Arabia closer to both Russia and to China. We need Saudi Arabia to be at least an ally when it comes to standing against Iran in the Middle East. We don't have to like them. We don't have to pretend that we're friends, because we're not. They have their interest. We have ours. But when it comes to dealings with Iran, at least under the current regime, those interests align. Say anything else you want. Joe Biden is weak. All right, let's take the uh, mid-hour break, and when we come back, we will have that uh, conversation with Randy L. Noble. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth.
form a more perfect union to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Because of the grossly inadequate government school system practice of not teaching complete and authentic American history, one would think that black Americans contributed very little to our American society. Hello, I'm Rod Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, if your refrigerator contains any produce from your local grocery market, then you can rightfully credit black United States inventor Frederick McKinley Jones. Mr. Jones took out more than 60 patents throughout his life of achievement. Amongst them was a 1930s patent for the roof-mounted cooling system commonly used to refrigerate food products on extended transportation routes. Frederick McKinley Jones officially received his roof-mounted cooling system patent for his invention in 1940. He also co-founded the U.S. Thermal Control Company that later became famously known as Thermo King. The company was critical during World War II, helping to preserve donated blood and food supplies for our American war heroes during the massive war between liberty and tyranny. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron, it is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And I'm so women. we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Sometimes little things make a big difference. Take the modern cooler, for example. Obviously, a cooler is supposed to keep your stuff cold. But it's the little things, the obsessive quest for perfection that sets blue coolers apart. Little things, like realizing that girth matters. <gasps> so they put 40% more insulation in the sidewalls. It can keep ice cold for up to 10 days at a fraction of the cost of the overpriced brands. Little things, like adding a pressure release valve to the cooler. See, a slight change in air pressure can seal your cooler tighter than a camel's butt in a sandstorm. <laughs> With Blue Cooler's pressure release valve, a gentle push of a button regulates the pressure, so you can open it with your finger. Little things, like re-engineering a locking mechanism that is so easy to open and close, even a child can do it. 
rest of the industry still uses a thick piece of tire rubber to lock their coolers, requiring the strength of an Olympic athlete to open it. Oh, it's going to be a long day. Even the accessories have little things that make a big difference. It's the little things. The little things like the upgraded LED light kit. It illuminates the cooler when you open the lid so you don't accidentally grab an apple juice when what you really wanted was something stronger. Mommy, I'm hungry. Go to bed. It's mommy time. Little things like putting the drain plug on the same side as the wheels so you can easily drain it without looking like a moron. Genius. Little things like having a built-in bottle opener instead of a trashy looking accessory strapped to the handle that dings up your cooler. It's the little things. Little things like putting wheels on the biggest coolers. You're welcome, soccer mom. All those little things on blue coolers certainly feel like big things to me. So don't wait till you're a thousand miles away from civilization before you realize how important the little things really are. Grab yourself a blue cooler and experience the big difference today. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. Rise and shine, sleepy Joe, now's the time, don't you know, to get into a new kind of dream. You can rest your head on the corner of your bed, you can watch the world go by. But you're never gonna see what the other people see, if you're always gonna be a blind dog face pony soldier. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back. Thank you for staying with me through that very brief break. And uh, it is now time. I uh, got the honor and privilege of having back on the show a gentleman who's been outside of the guest rotation for far too long, completely my fault. He is a prolific writer. He is a unique voice on the topic in which we're going to be discussing. He is the host of The Cross in the Desert, speaking hope and freedom to Iran. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back. He is Randy L. Noble. Uh, Randy, thank you so very much for uh, coming back on me. Uh, I was looking back a, a little while ago and realized, you know, I've been thinking that we need to have you on uh, for some time now. And then I got embarrassed uh, thinking as how long it's actually been. It's been years, Randy. Uh, it has. I, I apologize on that. I mean, you, you've been a friend of mine for a while on several of these topics, especially everything involving Iran. And it has been a topic uh, to your quite a bit, uh, mostly because of the uh, socio-political uh, ideology, but the struggle has really changed. Uh, it looks like, once again, the uh, youth of Iran is uh, stepping up. We saw something under the Obama administration where the folks tried to step up and, and protest in the streets, and it got squashed. Uh, no real help or acknowledgement from the Obama administration, but we had something unique happen. And I would love for you, because you do such a fantastic job of describing this, to give the listeners the backstory of what started this protest. Well, thank you once again, Tim, for inviting me to be your guest. Uh, it is critical 
for the lives of all Iranian men and women to have our support, that we bring awareness to their plight, to the media. And so I want to thank you for this. The backdrop of this actually started in 2019 when the gas prices in Iran were hiked beyond the ability to pay. And Iranians came out into the street to protest the gas prices, but much more than that, they protesting also this illegitimate regime that has kept them in a stranglehold for 43 years with no freedom, no rights, with political prisoners dying, with protesters dying in the streets. So they came out in 2019 under economic suffocation, and it blossomed into death to the dictator. This regime is illegitimate. Let's get rid of it. They knew they had some real problems with the youth. And so the first thing they did in 2019 was shut down the Internet. And when they shut down the communication between Iranians and the world, they spent two weeks killing 1,500 innocent protesters. That was in 2019. The backdrop for 2022 was the death of a young Kurdish girl from the northeastern part of Iran named Masa Amini. She was in Tehran to visit relatives. And of course, as a girl, she has to be properly dressed in her hijab before she can go out publicly. Her and her brother were on the street, and the morality police patrols to make sure everyone is compliant with the Islamic dress code. They saw Masa, one girl. She was showing a little too much hair, illegitimate hijab, pull her across, take her away and say, we're going to take her to the Vorza Detention Center and re-educate her on the Islamic dress code. You will see her soon. Her brother never heard anything for hours until he was informed that Masa was in a hospital brain dead. A few days later, she died. He knew, just like every other Iranian knew, what really happened. The Iranian regime said she had a heart attack. We have video to prove it. And the reason why she has no brain function is we were able, unable to resuscitate her. Everyone in Iran knows that is a lie. They see videos every day of girls that don't dress according to the law. They're hauled away and they're beaten. Sometimes they're beaten in full view and you can see it on video. Other times is when they put them in the van and cart them away. When this happened, there was such an outrage And at first, it seemed like this was a repeat of 2019 with 70 cities coming out. It is over 110 cities. And since September 16th, the young girls of Iran are not only shouting death to the dictators and this regime must be overturned, but they're taking off their headscarves. They're burning them publicly. And they have men supporting them. This is the backdrop for what is happening right now, Tim. This is not a protest. This is a revolution for 43 years. And they have a young population that knows all about this. This young population is suffocated. 
And Masa Amini was the impetus, not just for the cloth on the head. It's not just about that. But she was the impetus of saying enough is enough. We want freedom. And that's the backdrop. Yeah. You know, I, we were talking a little bit before we uh, uh, started uh, the interview here. And one of the things that I mentioned is I thought at least conservative news outlets were doing a fairly decent job of covering this story uh, at the jump. But as so often happens when it comes to something like this, it became, uh, if you'll forgive the term, because I really hate saying it in this instance, but it's how it was treated, old news really fast. It yeah. seems like it's almost a forgotten story at this point. So today we have young men and women standing up together that are being brutally assaulted, that are being mm -hmm. treated terribly by this government, mm -hmm. that our current administration wants desperately to reestablish a bend over and grab your ankles almost kind of deal. And, mm -hmm. and I hate being uh, such a, a vulgar reference, but that's really what it represents mm -hmm. to the entire world. And mm -hmm. it's certainly the region. Uh, <sighs> I I'm just in awe of the courage these folks are uh, are exhibiting and standing up and doing this. But Randy, you you've been talking uh, to people that have lived there under this regime. So many of these young people today, they have no idea how free Iran once was. Is their stories? Is there history here that's helping to motivate these young people to understand what they once had there and could have again? Or is it just flat out the spirit of freedom finally uh, coming to overthrow this ridiculous overtake of what was once a free nation? Well, here's what happens when you have these young people, they they know from within their families, the number of millions of people, of relatives, that have had to leave Iran and become asylum seekers, refugees, and they've had to leave their homeland because of Islam. And they are tired of the oppression of their history, the suppression of their human rights. Their families had to leave. Some of them leave behind other family members. And the young people are hearing the stories of what once was life was like under the Shah. Now, the Shah had some problems. Of course, it wasn't perfect, but women had the right to vote. Women had the right to be in government. Women could hold office. Women were treated with respect, and there was a no hijab law. Hijab was outlawed. You don't wear it at all. They know the difference in the history before and after Khomeini and all of the Ayatollahs. I have a friend. Her name is Madis, and I won't name the city. This is the cry of these people. She messaged me this past week when I was at work at Chick-fil-A. I work part-time there. And on Telegram, she messaged me and she said, Randy, they are killing us. And she was in tears. Please be our voice. Nothing motivates me more than to hear from them directly that live in Iran, that are my friends. The reason I know them is because I talk with them. I Skype with them like I'm talking with you. I write their stories in my self-published books, one of them called The Cross in the Desert. And I put their stories on display because it's not about me. This spirit of freedom is so ingrained in them. Like I said, 
not just because of the hijab law. They know the story of their country through their families, because, of course, in Iran, they've revised history. They don't teach it. But their family members will tell them of the days before the Shah went into exile. They know their history from their families. And I can tell you that this group of people present day right now are willing to give their lives. Not only was Masa Amini brutally beaten, but a young 20-year-old girl named Hadis Najafi. You can see a video of her, Tim. She's tying back her hair in the city of Karaj, where she lived. She's walking out peacefully to say no to the oppression of women, and she is shot by security officers six times, killed instantly. You can hear the story of a YouTuber named Serena Ismaile Zeta, 16 years old. I have a video on my page where she's singing a song in a car on YouTube because she's a YouTuber. Take me to church. It's a favorite song of hers. Three days later, she's brutally beaten over the head with a baton, left for dead. You hear the story of Nika. Nika is another one, another young girl. She didn't live to her 17th birthday. She went out to protest with the other Iranian women. Nika was in the prime of her life. There's a video of her on my page where she's singing karaoke. Now, a woman in Iran is not allowed to sing publicly. A woman in Iran can't go to a stadium to watch a soccer game. A woman in Iran can't ride a bicycle. But there's Nika on a video singing karaoke. She goes out and disappears. Her parents don't hear from her in almost 10 days. And then they find out that her body is in a morgue, beaten about the head. Now, the regime said, oh, she fell off a building. We have video to prove it. But everyone knows that she was murdered, an innocent young girl. There's a war on women in Iran. So this spirit of freedom, Tim, is not going to fizzle out like before. I believe it's going to go all the way. Well, I, I certainly hope so. They have already paid a heavy price. And at this point, it, it, they're too far in for it to be in vain. Uh, mm. I hope they know that they do have supporters and friends uh, outside of the country, that the average American, uh, if they at least get the information, would definitely be standing up. And that's the big mm -hmm. deal here. That's, that's mm -hmm. the uh, torch that you have picked up. You've been leading that charge for a long time, trying to make sure that people have at least an idea, a clue of what's going on. But we're fighting uh, mainstream legacy media here that wants mm -hmm. to go to sleep on it. Mm -hmm. We're fighting uh, conservative media outlets mm -hmm. that yeah. they, they want to talk about it. But then they want to move on because right now yeah. uh, we've got to talk about elections. We've, we've got to mm -hmm. talk about Joe Biden mm -hmm. and we've got to talk yeah. about this, that. And we we see these people literally struggling. This is what America is supposed to be inspiring. Yes. People yes. who want liberty, people who mm -hmm. understand that oppression is wrong mm -hmm. and that that leads me to the question of, you know, you've been fighting this particular uh, uh, battle for a while. Why do you think we have such a hard time with ma uh, mainstream legacy media just trying to get this information reported? Well, it's because of what the media wants you to know. 
They want you to know certain events. They want you to know a certain thing. It's a liberal-dominated media. They want to talk only about the war in Ukraine. They want to talk about political issues that divide Republicans and Democrats. They want to talk about what they choose to. This is nothing they want to really speak about. So the Iranian-American communities all over the United States and the world, in Los Angeles, in in Georgia, in Atlanta, in Toronto, in Canada, have, will not let the media forget this. They're going to find a way to break through that silence. And I have seen in the last two weeks, every Saturday, thousands of Iranian-Americans in cities, like I mentioned, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Toronto, and Canada, all over the world, chanting, woman, life, freedom. And there is a particular song written by a composer named Shervin Hajapur. It's called Four. It's a beautiful song that could win a Grammy for a protest song. And at every one of these events, they are standing up to bring awareness for the plight of Iranians. So there is a media blackout, but we are making progress by two ways. Gathering together in cities all over the world every Saturday and having an awareness day, an Iran Freedom Day, and getting on our public page, our, our social media pages, and talking about them, posting the stories and videos. I do this on my blog talk just like you. Every Monday and Thursday, I am talking about their issues and posting their stories. I talk to my Iranian friends that are refugees. I have a friend named Ornush in Sweden. I said, write something. I'm going to tell people about it. And like my friend Modis, I wrote a blog about her plea to be our voice. And I do this because I believe wholeheartedly that the only way that the Iranian people will succeed is if they have the world behind them. We They don't need our support beyond that. They will take care of things in Iran. They are strong enough, brave enough, and courageous enough, but they need our support and being their voice. The Bible says, speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Proverbs 31.8. This is the message I have. This is the shirt I wear. And it's for them, Tim. So the media, at some point in time, aren't going to have a choice. We're going to shape the narrative for them. All right. I, I love uh, winding down with a positive note. And that, I believe, is about as positive as we're going to get, considering what's going on over there. Uh, Randy, you do a fantastic job. I love the podcast. I love the fact that uh, you are still firing away and you've not lost any of your passion it's so easy for folks who've done this for a while who see this day in and day out lose that but you have managed to do this two ways you maintain those personal relationships with people that are over there living so it never grows old to you you're still experiencing it through talking with them and through your faith i love the fact that you are a man of strong faith and that is never fails to come through, sir. So thank you for everything you're doing. And again, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, before we say goodbye for now, uh, number one, I want to get your promise that we will definitely not wait so long before we get back together again. Sure. Absolutely. And, and number two, I want you to share uh, the, the websites, uh, anything that you want to share 
uh, social media handles, if you're still inviting uh, new folks to follow you, whatever you want to throw out there, and then any final thoughts that you want to throw out before we say goodnight. Well, thank you, Tim, for doing what the media is not doing. You're allowing me to be using this platform to speak for them, because again, I want to say this. This is not about me. Human rights is not about me and my fame or what I do. It's about their stories and their struggles. Please come to the Cross in the Desert blogspot.com. I have a, a blog called The Cross in the Desert. I also have my books up on Amazon.com. And then my radio program, which is called The Cross in the Desert, Speaking Hope and Freedom, is on every Monday and Thursday at 9.30 Central Standard Time. And by the way, if you miss listening to it live, you can always listen to it later. It's always going to be posted. So my final thought is this. It's because of people like you that this movement will not die, Tim, because you've given me a platform to be their voice. You've given me an opportunity to tell their stories, and you've given me an opportunity to tell your listeners how important this issue of freedom is that we take so much for granted. We are involved with the struggle against our own government. We are fighting for our rights and freedoms in a way we've never had to fight to before because of wokeism and liberalism and socialism. And my Iranian friends, when they see what's happening, the ones that live here, they are afraid that the same thing that happened to them in 1979 could happen here. My final thoughts is do not ever take your freedoms for granted. Remember, it can happen to us here as well if you don't stand up and fight. So that's my final word, and I thank you so much. God bless you, Tim. All right. Bless you as well. Randy, again, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and uh, we will get back together again soon. Uh, keep up the great work, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. That's uh, Randy L. Noble, author and host of The Cross in the Desert, speaking truth, I'm so sorry, speaking hope and freedom to Iran. I keep wanting to throw truth in there because I want to. <laughs> That's okay. That's I, a I, good one. <laughs> I, I, I want to somehow include and make myself feel like I'm part of what you're doing, which. Uh, you uh, all right. Thank you, sir. All right. So that was the conversation with Randy Noble. Please uh, uh, visit those links and remember. That's it for now, so please, whatever you do, don't take my word for it, but definitely, definitely don't take the other side's word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go,
control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. using both hands let's set the record straight there's no argument over the choice between peace and war but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second surrender admittedly there's a risk in any course we follow other than this but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our be priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die in his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond wow. which evil must yeah. not advance. In the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.